On June 1, 1812, America declared war. After a hot debate, James Madison's war resolution was passed by a vote of 1913 in the Senate, 79-49 in the House of Representatives. And, once again, the new nation would be taking on the world's premier military and economic power, Great Britain. Twenty-nine years had passed since the colonists' improbable victory in the Revolutionary War, and for 29 years the British had failed to respect America's sovereignty. Now, the nation James Madison led had reached the limit of its tolerance. Great Britain's kidnapping of American sailors and stirring up of Indian tribes to attack settlers on the western frontier had made life intolerably difficult for many of America's second generation, including those hard-scrabble men and women pushing the boundaries westward. Though reluctant to risk the new nation's liberty, Madison was now ready to send a message to England and the world that America would stand up to the bully that chose to do her harm. The unanswered question was, could America win? Less than 30 years removed from the last war, and with virtually no national army, were Americans prepared to take on Britain and defend themselves, this time without the help of France? The world was about to find out. In fact, so many Americans opposed the war that the Declaration posed a real risk to the country's national unity. The Federalist Party, mainly representing Northerners whose economy relied on British trade, had unanimously opposed the war declaration. Many New Englanders wanted peace with Britain, and it was likely that some would even be willing to leave the Union in order to avoid a fight. Yet, peaceful attempts at resolving the conflict with Britain had already been tried and hadn't helped the economy much. Five years earlier, when a British ship attacked the U.S. Navy's Chesapeake, killing three sailors and taking four others from the ship to impress them into service to the Crown, then-President Thomas Jefferson had attempted to retaliate. To protest this blatant hostility, Congress passed the Embargo Act, prohibiting overseas trade with Great Britain. Unfortunately, the act hurt Americans more than the British. In just 15 months, the embargo produced a depression they cruelly punished merchants and farmers while doing little to deter the Royal Navy's interference and hardening New England's resistance to conflict. Further attempts at legislative pressure in the early years of James Madison's presidency had little effect, and British impressment had continued. By the time of the war declaration in June of 1812, the number of sailors seized off the decks of American ships had risen to more than 5,000 men. To many, including Andrew Jackson, then 40 years old, the attack on the Chesapeake alone had been an insult to American pride that demanded a military response. As Jackson wrote to a Virginia friend after learning of the Chesapeake's fate, the degradation offered to our government has roused every feeling of the American heart, and war with that nation is inevitable. Yet America had waited, and the losses at sea mounted. At the same time, attempts to pacify the British had only resulted in further losses in America's new territory, the West, which ran south to north from the Gulf of Mexico to Canada, bounded on the west by the Mississippi. There, British agents were said to be agitating the Indians. For many years, the five civilized tribes in the region, the Cherokee, the Chickasaw, the Choctaw, the Creek, and the Seminole, had maintained peaceful relations with the European arrivals. But as more and more white settlers settled into native territories, Tensions had risen and open conflict had broken out. In some places, travelers could no longer be certain whether the Native Americans they encountered were friendly. For inhabitants of the frontier, that meant the events of daily life were accompanied by fear. Stories circulated of fathers 
who return from a day of hunting to find their children butchered, and of wives who stumbled upon their husbands scalped in the fields. A major Shawnee uprising at the Indian Territory in 1811 escalated that fear, and as the bloodshed increased, there were reports that the British were providing the Indians weapons and promising them land if they carried out violent raids against American settlers. For Andrew Jackson, the threat had become too close for comfort when, in the spring of 1812, just a hundred miles from his home, a marauding band of Creeks killed six settlers and took a woman hostage. Jackson was certain the British were behind the attack on the little settlement at the mouth of the Duck River.